Welcome back to Daddy's Fantasy Basketball League podcast. I'm your host, Cam Daig, and with me as always are my two co-hosts, Gabe Sabarzo. What's up, everybody? Two weeks to playoffs. Start getting hype. And Zach Mueller. Welcome back, Zach. Been a while. I know everybody missed me. They did, they did, I'm sure. They heard your voice. They just started cheering. Uh, how was, uh, what were you doing last week? Were you house hunting? You were doing something like that. Yeah, we were house hunting and doing all that. So, still haven't found one yet, but it's, uh, qu- quite the, quite the task to find a house right now, I'll tell you that. Uh, yeah, join... housing market is not looking too friendly. Yep, join yeah. the party, buddy. We, we were talking about it a second ago. The interest rates are low, but the houses are crazily priced. So, I believe it. Well, boys, we could all just move in together. <laughs> yeah, we could all go in on a house together. Oh you man, like you know how nine hundred foot duplex and <laughs> hey, you know how easy it would be to like record podcasts at that point. True, we just it would be we just need a mic in the living room. Yeah, and like a random day, we would just talk, <laughs> and that's what we would put out. We would just re- like record our lives. It'd be awesome. Yeah uh well boys another week of nba basketball in the books uh we had some highs we had some low lows uh so we are recording this um on tuesday night so just last night we don't usually report injuries but man it was tragic we had the jamal uh jamal murray injury last night uh did come out this morning that it was a torn acl uh and not even like talking fantasy basketball like just prayers up for jamal um it's kind of a huge bummer for him and his career he was having an incredible season uh and then kind of a bummer for the nuggets as well kind of in the nba landscape um gabe what do you think are kind of the nba implications there with that are the nuggets just like done for now or zach i'll throw it to you good job gabe um (laughs) I personally think they still like they're still gonna be a playoff team. I think they could even maybe win like one or two series, but two they're, series they're definitely not. They're not title contenders, not at all anymore. Yeah, I, I would have a I would have a tough time betting on them to win two series and landing in the conference uh, championship. Yeah, no, I I don't see that, but I'm saying I could still see that being their ceiling because like they still have a really solid team and. They could go on a run, but yeah, I I think any title hopes this year it, they're gone now. So yeah, um, I mean Jokic has been performing at an MVP level all year. You would assume we're going to continue to see that. They're going to continue to rely on him more and more. Um, hey, I am back. Um, sorry there you to are. Everybody that is listening, <laughs> that uh, my internet is dropping tonight and so i do apologize if i cut in and out but cam had asked me what i believe the nba implications are i think it's really unfortunate that this this happened in in this compressed year because the way that the nba season projects for next year uh jamal murray if this is a 12 month acl uh injury recovery time as is expected that puts him out for the majority of next regular season as well so just a real bummer for a rising star that was really making his name known. And uh, I, I believe that the Nuggets, if they're going to win a playoff series or two, like Zach was talking about, um, one of either Monte Morris or Facundo Campazzo is going to have to step up in a really, really big way and show that he can go show that one of those two can go toe to toe with some of the best guards um in in their respective conference and so um yeah prayers up like cam was saying but um we're, we're gonna have to see it, it, in the short term uh what the nuggets new identity looks like without their star point guard yeah it's definitely gonna be tough um zach why don't you give us an update uh on your mavericks uh so i know last week i think you had texted and said these guys are unbeatable they can beat anybody in the league and then Kind of dropped. I think y'all have dropped three of the last four. 
Yeah, I was going to say we were uh, one of the hottest teams in the NBA, and now we look like one of the worst teams in the NBA. <laughs> so we, we're literally like uh, the Dallas Cowboys, um, but a basketball version. So we'll beat the really tough teams, and then we'll just get destroyed by the terrible teams. So we lost to Houston. Um, that game, I just have no idea what even happened. Houston was hitting their shots. That's <laughs> the main thing. And uh, I think we saw Luca had a bad shooting night, and then Josh Richardson like didn't hit a field goal all game. So that's that's an anomaly. That wasn't a normal game. But, I mean, props to Houston. They hit all their shots. Um, the San Antonio loss hurt really bad because it was a very close game, and we actually fought back in that one. But – the problem with that was DeRozan just absolutely went off. And uh, I honestly blame that loss on Rick Carlisle because um, very last play of the game, I don't know if y'all saw, we got it tied. Luca tied it up with about like 10 seconds. And uh, San Antonio opted to take the last shot with DeRozan. He had been killing us all game, and we decided not to double team. And it's just him versus Finney Smith. He hits a tough shot, but I, I was just like, how, how do you not get the ball out of that guy's hands when he's destroyed you all night? So I think that one's on Carlisle. And then who did we lose? Oh, yeah, we got killed by the Sixers last night. We would lose seven games out of seven against Philly. They're just a matchup nightmare for us, even if we have Porzingis. And when Embiid's healthy, there's just nothing you can do, especially when you don't have an actual big man like us. So... Yeah, Embiid's been really good all year, and I'm glad he's back from injury looking healthy. Yeah, when, when that dude's hitting threes and deep twos, you cannot beat them. So Yeah, I, I was watching the game, the Mavs game. Um, I, I watched more in the first half than the second half, but kind of as I was putting in the chat, your bigs on the Mavs actually did a decent job of keeping him away from the rim, uh, which I think is kind of – the ideal scenario if you're trying to beat Joel Embiid in the in the Sixers is just like make him shoot as many jump shots as possible but as you mentioned like he just had it going last night and he wasn't missing very much so yeah when when he knocks him down there's not much you can do but I I guess the one good thing from the Mavs we did beat the Bucks but they didn't have Giannis and then we also beat the Jazz fully healthy. So that was awesome to see. We kind of dominated them, so that's when I was feeling good. But, yeah, I, I don't, did y'all see uh, the Luca comments last night about the play-in and the Cuban, all that stuff? Yeah, I, I was going to ask, uh, like, what are your thoughts on that, Zach? So, obviously, being in the seventh seed, I don't like it, but – I think at the start of this year, with it being a 72-game schedule and a little different, I was okay with it, and I'm still okay with it for one season, um, even if it does end up screwing us, because, like, it's our own fault we're in the seventh seed. But at the same time, like, we're seeing more injuries because of this, in my opinion. Like, they were talking about Jamal Murray and how they had played six games and nine nights. And it, it's just stuff like that this season where you're really compacting, especially this back half of the schedule, because um, you're trying to push it all in that 72 games. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I think that's more so the game number than anything. Yeah. But I just think, I don't know, moving forward, I really don't like the idea of a 10-team play-in because – I mean, those top eight teams, if they're playing 82 games, like, I, we should know by then. Like, it shouldn't come down to one lucky game. Like, Steph could catch fire and beat us any night. And, like, honestly, that could happen, and that'll suck. But that's just – that's my thoughts on it. Like, I don't like it, but for one season, whatever. I uh, I, I think I would I would kind of range in a, in a different way um, – I am in favor of the play-in. I just think it provides like more excitement for those teams that are in the seven to ten range. Uh, I think it makes makes teams more competitive towards the end of the year uh, because you have teams that go for the ten seed and they like want to play in the play-in. Um, and I think that that's exciting. Like if if a team or a franchise like wants to push for that, I think that they should have every right to. Um, and kind of just provides like an entertainment value. I think, like you said, it's kind of a whole separate issue of 
this shortened off season that we had combined with all of these games we're trying to force in. Um, and so I, I, I guess that was kind of the root of Lucas frustration in all of that. Uh, it's just like the compacting of the games. And then like you mentioned, he had said like you play all these games just to you lose one or two games at the end and then you're out of it. Um, I, I like how they have it set up. Like if you're if you're the seven or eight seed, you have to you have to just win one game compared to the nine or ten seeds that have to win two. So there is an advantage there still to being that higher seed. Um, as far as Mark Cuban, I like I just don't understand where he's coming from because all of the owners had to agree to this play-in tournament at the beginning of last year and then at the beginning of this year they had to agree to it so he's kind of talking out of both sides of his mouth uh where at the beginning of the season he was in favor of it uh it's going to provide more entertainment it's going to bring in more money uh which we know they all want and then now like i guess his superstar doesn't like it so he's like oh i feel like i gotta stand up and say i don't like it too so i'm mark cuban's kind of he said he did agree to it like obviously at the start of the year but I think the main thing, I mean, he probably is agreeing with Luca, but the main thing is that uh, the I, the whole injury aspect of this year, I think, is what he was going after. I, based off what the quotes I read, it wasn't so much the 10-game plan. It was like this shortened season he thought was a horrible idea, and I guess that had to go with it. So, yeah. But I'm sure he's crying about the – the play-in because we are the seventh seed and that screws the seventh seed <laughs> yeah. most of anyone so yeah it'll be yeah. fun though like seeing luca and potentially steph and or zion in a play-in game like that's gonna be a lot of fun uh i, I you're gonna be sweating because you're a mavs fan but like for everybody else that is a super entertaining game for somebody yeah. that's sitting in the seventh seed and we're not looking good but there's what like 22 games left and i want to say our strength of schedule is like 28 or 29 and portland's is three so i Hmm. could honestly see portland choking and falling into the seven but we'll see yeah hey gabe are you back with us okay um well talking about the thunder so the thunder have now lost six in a row um which is fantastic. I am so excited. Uh, we are now tied for sixth uh, in the race to the number one uh, worst record in the NBA. We're not going to get there, uh, but we are now tied with the Wizards in record, uh, which the Wizards are trying to win games. So definitely think that we're going to be uh, passing them up pretty easily. Uh, and then I believe it's the Cavs. Um, and... Is it Orlando? Yeah. So it's the Cavs. Uh, we're one game back from the Cavs. We're three games back from Orlando. So honestly, I hope we just continue this losing streak. Uh, we've signed a couple of European players in the past week, which was kind of interesting. Um, it's all team-friendly deals, so like I don't think there's any concern of us just like wasting money. Uh, I think we're just kind of trying to see what's out there trying to accumulate talent without giving up any of our picks um is the name of the game but if you're a thunder fan or a houston fan uh you have the date june 22nd circled on your calendar because that is the day of the draft lottery uh that is the day where franchise uh franchises will be altered their futures will be uh more and more known so uh, as we've talked about before, the Thunder essentially have a coin flip chance of getting the Houston Rockets pick. Um, and the worse that they are, the better for the Thunder. So, like, even if they have the worst record in the NBA, there's still a, like, 46.5% chance uh, that the Thunder get their pick uh, at the five, at the number five pick. So... It's all very interesting, uh, but essentially, as a Thunder fan, we're hoping um, both the Thunder and the Rockets lose. Yeah, uh, how much? How much do you know about like some of these signings that the Thunder, like Gabe Deck? How much yeah. do you know about him and uh, some of the other guys? Have you have you been able to watch any highlight films or anything? I, I mean, I watched some highlight films. Gabe Deck's like one of the 
he he's like a forward who's a really smart player. Uh, okay. I think Presti's just trying to accumulate a lot of guys that can dribble, pass, and somewhat shoot. Yeah, um, but and then weed out kind of what talent he feels like he can build around, and then what what talent um, yeah maybe he can extrapolate any kind of value from. Exactly, he'll have fifteen games to evaluate that guy. So and then kind of make the decision yeah, no, from there. You, how long do you think it's going to be till y'all start trading a lot of those picks for actual like solid talent in the NBA? Uh I'll tell you on June 23rd. <laughs> well, it, like if y'all hit like let's say y'all hit Cade, do you think y'all are going to try and push for like a solid roster then or it's going to take like one more year of just ass and then doing it? Yeah, I think it would take one more year. Like, I'm very much in favor of this is a multi-year, re- multi-year rebuild. Like, I hate trying to rush the process. Uh, like, just give me as me- as much talent as possible. Um, because essentially, when you draft these guys, you get seven years uh, of of owning these guys, and uh, like that's that's a long runway. To, to make that happen like you don't need to make their second or third season in the nba incredible you know like uh, i think you can accumulate talent for the first few years uh like if you think Cade is your guy like accumulate talent for the next few years and then when he's on his second contract that's when you start to like make moves for championships and and things like that that's just my opinion on it yeah but uh Gabe, are you back or did we lose you? Bummer. Um, I, I mean, I'll just speak for the Rockets. They're really bad. Uh, they have their eyes <laughs> uh, solely looking at their first-round pick this year. Um, I believe they ha- are going to have quite a bit of cap space, so maybe they can uh, combine their cap space this summer along with the top pick this year. Um, everything I've read, they want to be competitive as early as possible. Um, and yeah, we're not very well equipped for a like rebuild kind of like the thunder are. Um, I think that, uh, Kevin Porter jr. Has been encouraging and the future of players like John wall, Christian Wood, Kelly Olynyk, even now, um, is gonna it, it i think it's going to be uh instrumental in kind of dictating the future for this team if if uh the, the management decides to uh give these guys bigger contracts or extensions or, or stick with them and not try to seek trade value for them um and then we can we can build around that core then who knows what's going to happen but yeah i don't think it's a situation where we want to uh, like multi-year rebuild i think next year um we're gonna come into the season with at least playoff aspirations so yeah it's it's a weird time to be a rockets fan as i've cut out i've come up with a couple of questions for like the play-in tournament um yeah. would y'all rather see like i know baseball like the wild card they kind of have like a a one game or a three game like it progressively gets more and more games would y'all rather have like a like a, a hierarchy of, of games. So maybe the first one is a, is a series of three games and then the next round of the play and it's like a five game series, or would you rather just do this one and done um, like 10 team play in and then just do normal best of seven series for the rest of the rounds. So I'll completely change it for you. I would rather none of those. I would rather go one through 16 East and West combined because no one cares about the actual conferences in the NBA. Like, yeah. like the rivalries in the NBA and stuff. Like, you know how NFL, like, divisional games are huge. In the NBA, it doesn't matter pretty much. Like, I don't even know who's in our division. We have, like, the Pelicans, the Grizzlies, Houston. Like, why don't we just do a full 1 through 16, and then everyone can quit crying that the East is so bad? Because, like, right now, uh, the Mavs would be the fourth seed in the East. Yeah. Or seven in the West, like that's stupid. Yeah, that makes sense. On the uh, on the topic of the Mavs, Zach, who do you think is like y'all's best starting five, and do you think it matters whether or not the other team has a dominant big man? Man, well, I do think it matters if the other team has a dominant big. Um, 
It, it seems anytime we play a big that actually like plays like a big man down low, that's uh-huh. good. We get dominated, like right. uh, whether it be like even because I know Cat can shoot, but when he's down low, he destroyed us. Yeah. Um, so and, and he killed us. I'm and trying to think. Sabonis Kle- killed Kleba has has found himself in foul trouble a lot when he's trying to guard these. Uh, like size mismatches that sometimes he's being asked to guard by the team. And so, I mean, I think that he is probably the best defender of the five position that y'all have. Or besides, I mean, Porzingis is pretty good, but he like by himself is not going to be able to do it. And so I think if, if Kleba can stay out of foul trouble and you can find a way to like tailor your defense to help him, I think that it would it's not as bad. Like, I think yesterday we saw worst-case scenario because there was no Porzingis and Kleba in foul trouble, so you were running out, like, like Brunson and, like, a, a DFS to try to guard uh, this guy, so. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. I think KP, or not KP, um, Kleba is definitely our best defensive big. Um, he can move the best, and he's definitely, like, a stretch four or five type player, especially this year. But, um, yeah. I yeah, I would say he's, like, our most versatile player. I think that we think Dorian Finney-Smith is our best defender, which I do think he's solid, but he's always guarding, like, the best of the best on the other team, it seems, and he right. just gets smoked a ton. Like, we'll put him on Kawhi, and, like, I mean, what are you going to do? But it, it seems like he's the one that's always getting the, the short straw. And then if we've got to have somebody guard uh, one of the other team's guards, we put Josh Richardson on them. And he's actually been pretty solid. Um, He's just not a great offensive weapon. But he he does have his nights. True. True. But uh, to answer your question on the five, I would definitely go – honestly, right now, I would probably go Luka, Brunson, um, Josh Richardson – KP and Kleba. Yeah, I was wondering if it was if uh, Brun- if Jalen Brunson was going to make the uh, the starting five. And yeah, I, I think I, uh, I I pretty much agree with you. I think that Hardaway can have that scoring role off of the bench, and then uh, Richardson can help kind of glue that second unit together well. And even I mean, him and Brunson are kind of interchangeable depending on if you need a second ball handler or a little bit more defense. Yeah. The only other three I would even think about would be Hardaway, Finney Smith and Melly. Cause Melly has actually been a great pickup for us. True. Um, but yeah, like I'm hoping Melly is like, uh, Maxi junior. Like he's not going to be <laughs> as good defensively, uh-huh. but he's going to provide the same type of spark that Kleba provides to us. So that yeah, makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. No, I was just these are these are questions as I have cut in and out that I have thought of. So I'll just keep bringing them up and hopefully my internet figures it out at some yeah. point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the Mavs are going for the uh, uh it appears the all all white team. We've got about 8 or 9 white guys <laughs> now. So we'll see how that plays nice. out. Nice. Yeah, I, I was wondering if you were gonna if you were gonna say it, and sure enough. Oh no, I, I've seen so much stuff on Twitter talking yeah. about that, but yeah, I I definitely don't think it's intentional, but it is funny. Oh man, we might have to investigate another owner. Who knows? Um, all right, let's go ahead and shift over to the fantasy side of things. <clears throat> we uh we have. A fantasy race that is absolutely heating up. Uh, there are two weeks left of fantasy before the playoffs begin. Um, this, so I mean, these last two weeks are it. You know, like this, all all of these are crucial. We've still got, uh, let's, I mean, you got five people from one side of the standing still in it. You got five people from the other side that are technically still in it. So, um. You got 10 people racing for six diff- six spots. Uh, so it's going to be interesting as we get to the end here. Um, before we hop into these matchups, I know last week, Gabe, we had kind of talked about going through um, and looking at 
you know, how possible it was for everybody to, to make the playoffs. Was that something you wanted to do now or kind of wait till after? Okay, cool. We'll wait till after. I like that. Um, <laughs> I do like that. Uh, so let's go through these matchups here, Zach. And if Gabe hops in on the matchups, great. If not, me and you will kind of just take them over uh, and talk about them. So week 15, we'll start with uh, me versus Bowie. Um, and this was actually... Uh, Bowie Tim, was... The- your team... <laughs> Go Your ahead. team went crazy this week, bro. Yeah, they they did pretty well. I needed them too. But go ahead, Gabe. Tell us about this matchup. Yeah. So, like I said, this was actually an insane performance from Cam's team. And they're catching fire and looking to lock in a playoff spot in the next week or two. And I think it's pretty important. Uh, I'll talk about this a little later. But like I've mentioned before, I think Ryan's team is really threatening. And right now, he's not even in the playoffs. So I do believe that that's something that we're going to look at um, pretty closely, uh, especially if you're in that lower half of the playoffs right now. But Cam's team was the best team on the week in four categories this week, in threes, in assists, in steals, and in points. So we got Sadiq Bey, Jason Tatum, and Mike Conley were responsible in large part for the insane three-point total. They combined for 44 threes this week, which is more than three teams in our league had total. These guys went berserk from the three line. For assists, I'm pretty tired of uh, talking about Russell Westbrook, but Uh y'all remember when people thought this 32-year-old Russ was just, he was cooked? Well, now he's the 14th ranked fantasy player over the last month, and he's averaging 21, 13, and 14 over the last (laughs) week. What kind of numbers are those? 14 assists? You hear that, Zach? Still trash. <laughs> uh, for, uh, for steals, Sadiq Bey, again, eight steals as well. Um, is there another player of the week award, maybe in his near future? Do y'all remember that? Yeah, like a <laughs> random 8th. one. Yeah, February 8th. The committee decided that Sadiq Bay was the uh, Eastern Conference Player of the Week. I think so. that's when like half the teams were in COVID protocol and all that. So <laughs> it was also where was, yeah. Where was he drafted? Like, what was his draft position? I don't remember. Like fifteen or something. Okay, yeah, it was, yeah, was mid first. Fans crying that we didn't take him. So yeah, I think Sadiq Bay and Alexei Pokyshevsky, I think fell. Quite a, quite a bit in this year's draft looking back, just seeing their on-court production and seeing teams that maybe had a need or could have taken a flyer on uh, like someone with potential but maybe not as much proven. Um, I don't know. It's interesting that those two kind of fell to mid-first instead of uh, a little bit earlier. But Yeah, he was pick 19, by the way. Okay, so right after... I think Poku was, what, 17? Yeah. Dude, Poku just okay. looks like he'd be trash. <laughs> He's so good. Do not disrespect the GOAT. He, he is so dumb. That's what you would look like as an NBA player. <laughs> if you were seven if feet tall. Seven feet, I would take it. Are you kidding me? <laughs> um, but then I thought this was interesting for points. If your team, Cam, had only counted three pointers and free throws this week, with so you you no no twos at all being counted, <laughs> you would have still beat two teams in overall points this week. That's just how many threes and how many free throws. Your team made 197 free throws and 123 three-pointers. That's a crazy number. Was I the first one to eclipse the 1,000 mark? For points, you very well could have been. That's not something that I've uh, kept track of or a mental log of. But, yeah, it was pretty easy to tell who was the top scorer in points this week because you were the only one in quadruple digits <laughs> well not even to like brag but i did get to the last day and that was like one of my goals i was like dude i gotta get to a thousand i'm almost there yeah you were killing it um for Bowie's team uh his field goal percentage is still struggling and it's a lot because of damian lillard he's still struggling alongside cj mccollum Game time. i know <laughs> he shot 33 percent from the field this week on 65 shots so that's not great and he also shot under 80% from the free throw line. And he's a career 90% free throw guy. So something uh, maybe, maybe I think that the 
the usage dropping a little bit next to CJ McCollum makes sense to me, but the field goal percentage dropping, I just I don't understand why if he has like somebody else to, for the for the defense to be focused on, and Yusuf Nurkic is coming back, a couple of more offensive weapons. It um, I, I do feel like he'll turn it around, but it has just been a strange kind of fantasy slump from Damian Lillard. And then uh, I brought up Monty Morris. Uh, Bowie's rostering Monty Morris. Uh, Monty Morris is going to have to shoulder a pretty significant load, fantasy-wise and real NBA-wise, to keep the Nuggets championship hopes alive. So that's going to be something to watch as Bowie. Uh, I, surpa- I, I kind of eclipsed him as the number one seed in fantasy, but it's kind of scary because I think that that puts me against the winner of a, like uh, Bobby and Ryan or Bobby and um, another team that um, is, is, oh, it might be Nick. I don't remember exactly, but um, yeah, there's there's not going to be very many easy matchups uh, is what I'm trying to say. And so the, one, the difference between the one and the two seed isn't huge, but the bye week, I think that we're going to, that you get from being that is the, uh, I don't know, is the, the big, uh, the big advantage there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Sorry. I was just reading the, uh, the message you just sent me. <laughs> <laughs> All good. I'm pretty sure it's chiming on my computer. So it's recording anyway. Nice. Uh, let's go All ahead right. and go to the next matchup, Gabe, while we got you. So let's go with uh. Well, hold on, I'm on the wrong one. So go ahead and talk about the next one. Yeah, and if uh, anyone's wondering why I'm not giving input, it's because I don't care anymore. My team's out of it. <laughs> we can talk about Zach's team real quick. Let's do it. If you want. Okay. Well, Zach actually had a pretty strong showing. He eight-oed Big R's team, and he was overall first on the weekend rebound led by Rudy Gobert and Kristaps Porzingis, like we talked about. They total 109 boards on the week. And this is the KP I feel like Zach and the Mavericks traded for. You know, this is the top 12 fantasy asset over the last two weeks. This is the guy averaging 26 and 14 a game. Um, I, I just, I feel like this is the the KP that, um, that Zach kind of expected when he was there. And... Uh, he was, he was playing back-to-backs, and obviously there's some sports science that goes into which back-to-backs he's playing and which ones he's not, and it's hard to predict from a fantasy standpoint, but um, it is good to see him getting more comfortable in the offense and uh, and in, and in the just in the Mavericks system as well defensively. Um, John Wall also scored efficiently, uh, question mark. I don't know. He was 55% from the field on 42 attempts. <laughs> if this was John Wall and the KP that Zach got all all season, it would have been a much different um, fantasy output, I feel like, for him. This is an interesting... Oh, and then to add, Kevin Love playing over 30 minutes on the second night of a back-to-back. And then I I just wrote, the longer that I look at this matchup's box score, the more incredulous I become. I just... Do you have anything to add to that, Zach, for your own team? Um, all I can really add is I only made uh, one roster move this week because I don't care anymore. <laughs> I'm setting my roster for Ramsey, and that's it. Well, your team went crazy, and Ramsey's team almost beat mine. His waiver wire, like, ferocious squad of RJ Barrett and Jay Sean Tate and who knows who else, APJ, they, like, they just always come out guns blazing, and they never miss a game. They're they're trying to establish their their place in the NBA. So forget missing games for rest or whatever. I'm trying to uh, to prove myself in the uh, that I that I belong on the court. And so, uh, Big R's team didn't write anything except for he was under a thousand total minutes played for his team this week. Oof. So everything everything looked horrible. Um, but that would be to be expected from a team that was under a thousand total minutes i will say yeah, he, but... he has a zion he has a keeper in zion though didn't he get him in like yeah, the fourth zion. or fifth round Zion's insane yeah he did that's a steal 100 yeah whoever's uh the the new player can can keep him because big r ain't gonna be <laughs> but yeah. uh i i was gonna say i agree gabe that uh lately the games k 
shape he has played. He has looked more like uh, a Robin to Luca's Batman. But right. I will say, did y'all see like the whole drama that one game he didn't touch the ball the final seven or he yeah. didn't have like an actual play run for him the last seven minutes? No, I didn't. What? Who did he come out and complain about it, or was it just like uh, beat writers that wrote something, or what? No, so someone interviewed him and he gave like kind of a snarky response, and he was like, uh, "They're like, why don't you think you y'all were running your plays or whatever for you?" And he was like, "Great question." And he's like, "It's happened before." And then, Interesting. yeah, it it made a lot of a lot of people, especially Mavs fans, question and. And I, I do blame part of it on Rick, but one thing I've said all like since we've had KP, like it could just be me like looking into it too much, but I really don't think Luca and KP are that close. Like I can see on the court, like Luca's close with Boban, uh, like Jalen Brunson, their best friends, but like as far as KP goes, I almost never see them like truly show emotion together, and it's kind of a weird dynamic. Do you think that's important for a team to succeed? Do you have to be friends with your teammates? I don't think you have to be, like, best buddies, but I think you definitely have to get along and, like, not cry when someone takes a shot you don't want them to. Like, I can read KP's body language sometimes when Luca's like, going one-on-one, and I get it, but at the same time, like, if you're really trying to win and trying to be a good teammate, that's not really what you do, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so, it's, I mean, it's hard to interpret as a as a fan. I think I saw a little bit of that with the Nuggets early season and Michael Porter Jr. Not like Michael Porter Jr. seemed like at the beginning that he is similarly to this situation when he wasn't touching the ball late in games or when uh, it was all Jokic and Murray. And <laughs> like it, it felt like he, if he missed a shot, like the team as a consensus would roll their eyes. And like it, it just it felt like there was this like, I don't know, um, like, uh, uh, what's the the word for no chemistry? Yeah, no chemistry. But I guess the opposite of chemistry. There was like some like a, like some antagonizing feelings in between mm. teammates. And like I said, it's hard to read as a fan because you're not in the locker room and you don't understand. But um, yeah, I'm sure that can be frustrating as a Mavs fan to um, like get a little peek into it at least in an interview and then hear like your initial suspicions being either confirmed or, or not put to rest in, in general, you know? Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting going on. I've heard a lot. There's already the buzz starting of the trading KP rumors, so yeah. be interesting how the playoffs go and then eventually into the offseason, something to monitor. Uh, Gabe, you had mentioned uh, between you and Ramsey's uh, matchup. Uh, why don't we go ahead and go to that one next? Yeah. Okay, well, this was uh, this this matchup was way closer than I went into the week thinking it was going to. <laughs> Ramsey um, does that, man. He was actually beating me the entire week. I had to like, I'm I'm now in the point where I like want to throw darts at waiver wire pickups and not necessarily like maximize the minutes played on my team. Right, I'm not trying to stream every spot. Now I'm trying to. Like say, okay, maybe an injury opened up some uh, usage for this guy. Maybe um, like a coaching decision is uh, maybe they're going to want to see a younger guy play instead of this older guy. Like right. that's that's how I want it to be. But in this matchup, like four or five of my acquisitions ended up having to be like I need I need to win. Like I need to to, <laughs> to put forth a uh, like a, a player who's actually playing tomorrow. And so. I don't know. It uh, kudos to Ramsey, but uh, most of our categories did come down to Sunday. Um, all I wrote for myself was that Ben Simmons and Anthony Davis are going to be the keys to my championship run if I am able to make one. And we talked about Ben Simmons last week, but he still remains outside the top 200 this week, and his fantasy slump just continues. Uh, Joel Embiid's back; it's not seeming to make much of a difference, but just across the board, everything down, scoring down, rebounding down, assists down, free throw percentage down. Uh, his field goal percentage did climb back up, but like, if you're taking five shots a game, like now you're just Draymond Green with the ball in your hands a little bit more, you know. So it's uh, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of scary to uh, from a fantasy standpoint. I think the Sixers are still winning, and honestly, Joel Embiid 
doing what he's doing offensively. I think that they don't need Ben Simmons to do nearly as much. Um, but for my fantasy team, it is a little bit worrying, at least. Anthony Davis is set to be reevaluated on Thursday, so maybe he Big can time. return to action next week. Uh, we'll see. I mean, I'm sure he'll be on a minutes limit, and like they're not going to overexert this guy, at least in the beginning. But mm, hopefully he can ramp back up to... I don't know, 25, 28, 30 minutes a night at least by come playoff time, and then I can uh, really unleash the true fantasy potential of my team. How are you feeling about uh, end of the regular season with the Lakers? you think they're going to rest at all? Um, I don't know. Uh, we'll, we're going to have to see what the playoff picture looks like around then, but I do think that um, they're going to want to, like, if LeBron James's timeline is about two and a half, three weeks out, and Anthony Davis's timeline is maybe a week, a week and a half, um, and, and the playoffs, the NBA playoffs, are in about six weeks, I think they're going to want to take, like maybe they'll they'll sit some back-to-backs or limit their minutes, but I do think like in the beginning when the starting five are out there, they're going to be going hard because they're going to be trying to iron out the kinks of, okay, we haven't had this five healthy pretty much the entire season we need to like be as in tune as some of these other teams <clears throat> like the, the jazz or the uh the the suns or like another yeah. team that has been together and and playing really really well so yeah i mean they haven't played with andre drummond at all so like that's a yeah, big I, part of it i think <laughs> drummond that three like what do you i don't know drummond gasol harrell it's I weird think that man. they're going to Dominated. I think Marcus All is still the best center there. He's, he's the highest upside. <laughs> and so it's just like Montrez Harrell and Andre Drummond are like the guy that you like celebrate when your guard gets switched on to him in a pick and roll. You know, like at least like I'm not saying Marcus All is like Rudy Gobert or some elite like defending Miles Turner or something like that. You know, but like I don't know. It, it is scary to me if they face a big who can take advantage of that matchup or even like a, a, co- a well-coached team that is going to exploit some of those matchups in the playoffs. But yeah, that's a, that's a conversation for another time. I did want to go ahead. KP was poor Jim. <laughs> yeah, me too. KP was what? I said, I think KP would actually torch Drummond. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. Tough matchup for him. I, Gabe, I did want to talk about uh, Steph Curry. Um, so he had, he had a yeah. he had a decent week, but you got to be feeling good going into the playoffs. Um, with the night he oh, put yeah. up last night was just insane. Yeah. Ten threes. Pass Wilt in the first quarter. I think that he is. Uh, I mean, he's an incredible player. He is somebody who, on any given night, can hit. 10, like 10 threes in an NBA game is just such an absurd number. Yeah. And like every time Steph is on primetime television, there's a chance, at least a much higher chance with him than anybody else in the NBA. And so um, when he gets that look in his eye, like Steve Kerr says, <laughs> you just get out of the way. And so um, if I can get one or two of those games, I've kind of adapted my team a little bit to try and maybe take advantage of that three point barrage that he has my team as I have e- like evolved it throughout trading Fred Van Vliet and uh, I don't know, like DeJounte Murray dropping Chris Boucher, some of these uh, like three point shooters or at least three point contributors, I like started losing threes a lot. And so I like have started to try to pick up like Marcus Morris, Grayson Allen and try to at least maybe be competitive in that right. category, especially if, Steph goes from his two or three threes a game to ten. Maybe I can <laughs> that would be like, good. allow that to make a uh, a splash where I'm not now now uh like I'm winning threes instead of losing it by by two or three, you know. Yeah, so. there there was a tweet in regards to Steph's big game last night and it said uh every big Steph game is a reminder that when we look back at his career, we will ask why didn't he shoot even more three pointers? And I <laughs> You know, I, it was kind of funny, but in that same time, it's like, that's so true, man. We're going to look back and be like, why wasn't this guy shooting 15 to 23s a game? Like, like he just should have. He's so good at it. So yeah. No, it is, uh, it is impressive to watch. And honestly, it's it's really fun to watch. Like, it's so I fun. So yeah. fun. 
So, um, anyways, for Ramsey's team, impressive counting stats off the wire. Um, Christian Wood. If Christian Wood just shoots 13 of 18 from the free throw line this week instead of 11 of 18, excuse me, we tie our matchup 4-4 because he then wins free throw percentage. That's how close this matchup was. So Christian Wood, two more free throws made. And that's actually closer to his career free throw average. So I'm just, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm as a Rockets fan, I'm a little bit like, I'm a little bit disappointed, but as a fantasy um, player, I'm pretty happy that he didn't hit those two extra threes. <laughs> And then Nerland's Noel's defense with Malachi Flynn as an honorable mention. They just absolutely buried me in defense. They combined for 12 steals and 17 blocks on the week. And that's what I'm talking about. Ramsey, Nerland's Noel, bro, and Malachi Flynn, the, the rookie in Toronto, like he's just on top of it. And these guys are always putting in work on his roster. It's uh, kind of obnoxious, but I am <laughs> glad that I've still still squeaked out the victory. Yeah, and don't look now, but Ramsey is just on the outside looking in for the playoffs. So if he somehow pulls this off with his ragtag bunch of players, man, like nothing but respect for Ramsey. <laughs> nothing but respect. Um, but let's go ahead and move on to the next matchup here. We got uh, Garrett versus Camden. Gabe, are you yeah, there? So, uh, okay. yeah, I am, I am. So Garrett 6 2 Camden. Uh, Camden only one free throw percentage in blocks. For Garrett, it was a solid showing across the board. Uh, we, well, let's do some let's do some trivia. So Anthony Edwards has the longest active steal streak in the NBA right now at 21 games. There's only one other active player with at least 21 consecutive games as a rookie with at least one steal. Y'all have a guess as ever or current? Uh, so current active player, but like. Okay, okay. Like, what? Well, you don't have to be a recent rookie or anything. Yeah, I would guess Chris Paul. Okay. Zach? I was honestly going to guess Lamelo. Okay. So, um, Chris Paul is the correct answer in 0506. Uh-huh. He, he actually had a steal in 31 games in a row in his rookie season. And the only one that even got close to it is uh, Mikhail Bridges. He got 20 in his rookie season two years ago. Wow. So, yeah. So... Pretty incredible run defensively from Anthony Edwards, who um, coming into the league as a fantasy player didn't really like stat out to be uh, like a huge contributor in uh, like these peripheral categories, steals, rebounds, assists, but he's actually coming into his own. And so I think that his upside um, is huge just because his athleticism and, and, uh, like basketball raw talent is is so huge and so um i do think for garrett uh lowry markinen seth curry and the lack of activity on the waiver wire they do worry me for his playoff run lowry markinen is i mean both both lowry markinen and now thad young are giving up minutes in huge in huge uh way to daniel tice who's now playing alongside booch on the bulls mm-hmm. and I don't know. The Bulls are just trying to figure it out. They made all these moves, and they still are losing to the like They're Memphis bad. Grizzlies. They're bad. Normal night. <laughs> They're like, bad. It makes no sense, bro. It makes no sense how. <laughs> like, it, just on paper, I don't know, bro. They, losing to Minnesota. I'll win the game, bro. Yeah, With crazy. those players, it doesn't make sense. But then Seth Curry, um, I mean, it's just hard to sustain, like, five fantasy-relevant starters. And so if you have Embiid, Simmons, Tobias Harris, and then like Seth Curry and, and uh, I forget the other starter is uh, escaping me. But, Danny Green. Um, oh, Danny Green. And Danny Green has been awesome for fantasy. It's just hard to sustain five like NBA starters that are also fantasy relevant. So Seth Curry is uh, like losing usage and he just doesn't do a ton outside of score and hit threes. And so um all that to say that is my worry for garrett long term in the playoffs it it seems like he's still managing to win most of these weeks but um with a little bit more of a focus on winning in the playoffs in that one week um i think that these uh decisions will be magnified uh for camden all i wrote was that jamal's jamal murray's injury um i think put a nail in the coffin for camden's playoff hopes um team was starting to figure it out and yeah. starting to get healthy. And then I think the loss of Jamal Murray may have just um, obliterated any hopes of that 
um yeah this year so it, it definitely well, sucked last night but i actually think like this this week against garrett is kind of what put it in the coffin actually yeah because it allowed like me to me to get get a little bit of more separation between me and him like me and him were two of the ones main ones fighting for the last playoff spot and he was up early in the week like he was up pretty big 6-2 i think on garrett pretty early in the week and then obviously lost it towards the end so gotcha story of the year for camden yeah camden had a brutal run this year but i can't say i feel bad for him after what he did to us in football yeah Yeah, i don't it was the cost it was the cost of it i hate that guy um okay let's go on to the next matchup we had uh ryan versus daniel daniel continues to be a thorn in everybody's side (laughs) um tell us about this matchup yeah so um this is this was an interesting matchup uh 4-4 with daniel winning the efficiency and big man categories that being blocks, field goal percentage, free throw percentage, and rebounds. Um, for Daniel's last four weeks, to, to Cam's point, it, it went, they've gone win, tie, win, tie. And it hasn't been against like some lackluster opponents. This has been against um, decent competition. And so um, I will also note, I'm not going to talk a ton about Daniel's team, but this was without Giannis or Kyle Lowry playing a single minute. So two of his like big wow. contributors in the top half of his roster – and I just think it goes to show, I, I can't even put into words how much the end of the bench has improved over the last two months. And it just goes <laughs> to show you how important it is. Like, if Big R's team just improved, like, the bottom four guys, it would be such a different story. But that's something that you have to be on top of a little bit more daily. And it's a little bit, um, like, it requires a little bit more attention. And so it's just, it's so important because at the end of the day, the separation that these guys have statistically is like 0.1 or 0.2, uh, like stat points per game, you know, in some right. of these categories. So it's, I mean, over time, like you just really need your players to play significant minutes on the court. And so, um, with Ryan's team, uh, I was going to say Ryan's team is who I'm going to be most closely monitoring over the next two weeks because if his team doesn't make the playoffs. I do believe a major title contender will have been eliminated. And so, um, like when Brandon Ingram, Brandon Ingram has just, he's been a model of consistency for fantasy all year. He contributes in every single category, pretty much, except for blocks. And he's like top 40 on the year and just has been top 40 for the entire year. He's, he's probably Ryan's fourth best fantasy player. So that's just how scary the top half of the team is. But like I said, it's it, it in the end of the day, your your stars can only take you so far, and then it's going to come down to like, are you streaming your seven acquisition minutes in, and are you like taking advantage of some of the injury or news or rest or like coaching decisions that are happening every single day in the NBA? You know. Yeah, I, I also want us to mention you know james harden is his team (laughs) you know who has been missing for like the last what week and a half two weeks so like that has taken a big shot towards his team uh to overcome that i mean he's been what basically the number one player in fantasy if not like top three but uh you know so that's tough to overcome but i get your point of having to u- utilize those waiver wire pickups and yada yada um right and Giannis, Giannis not playing for daniel's team and harden not playing very for true yeah team have similar effects i feel like on the overall dynamic of your team yeah. but like i said it just i mean obviously that's huge that's a lot of counting stats some high efficiency high free throws that are uh, gonna go away but there's there's ways to to overcome. Absolutely, uh, Daniel. I did want to mention Daniel's basically playing for his like membership into next year's <laughs> fantasy <laughs> basketball uh, league. So he he's done a good job the last four weeks. I'm actually pretty terrified. He's my last week matchup. So that sucks, honestly. Uh, it does. Ramsey are like scariest opponents I, for me right now I know. because they're going crazy. I know, man. I got to be on top of my game till the very end. <laughs> He's gonna eight o you. <laughs> God, I hope not. Uh, if Giannis plays, then dude, he'll never he... win a free throw percentage. He'll never <laughs> win a free throw percentage. 
Giannis misses 50% of his shots at the line on a good day. <laughs> well, let's go to our last matchup here. We've got uh, Bobby versus Nick. Uh, Nick ended up taking this matchup 6-2. to two. Uh, Gabe, what were your thoughts on this one? Yeah, Nick 6-2. Um, this is a possible preview of the first round of the playoffs. This was the matchup that I couldn't remember off the top of my head. It is Nick who was the opponent of Bobby in this um, two weeks out playoff projection. But for Nick, um, it was a pretty good showing, especially considering the absence of Fred Van Vliet. Um, and, and Chris Boucher, I, I may have pulled the trigger on him a little bit too early. I know that he's not going to be a 39.20 rebound, like 5-3 player every single night. But that was why I was rostering the, him the entire year. And then all of a sudden I got tired of the 18-minute-a-night games because it's just it, it, it ultimately comes down to Nick Nurse. And Nick Nurse, knowing that Chris Boucher is not, like, the answer at center at all times, and so he just is limiting him whenever he can, playing Siakam at the five sometimes. They just signed Cam Birch. I would not be at all surprised if Cam Birch comes in, gets signed off of the streets, and starts over yeah. Boucher, even if Boucher is playing more minutes. Like, he's just not... They don't. They don't love him in that starting lineup, and Nurse doesn't really trust the uh, defensive ability or the size. He just like he's so dominatable. Even though he has a great block per minute number, like his defense is still suspect at times. But I am sad seeing him put on these crazy numbers for another team because I have been rostering him the entire year. Um. And then for Bobby, I think the difference in winning and losing could be streaming spots and uh, player acquisitions. I know I've harped on this uh, ad nauseum throughout this podcast, but it's just, I don't know, seven player acquisitions. Let's say they play 20 minutes a night. That's an extra 140 active minutes that you're getting for free. So if you're telling me you can't grab four four extra rebounds, because these categories are so close. So like close, if you're telling bro. Me you can't grab four extra rebounds, rebounds in 120 minutes or grab like a couple extra points or free throw percentage like i like i I don't think that um you're 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 kind of just lying to yourself at that point even if you don't feel like you can drop anyone off of your roster you have to make yourself decide who is the most expendable member of my roster and make a difficult decision at times because it um is ultimately going to cost you a playoff spot or or a championship yeah, I mean, you look at this matchup and rebounds, steals, and blocks are literally like one waiver wire pickup away from being the difference. You, it is. And this matchup especially, like this is super crucial for seeding um, in the playoffs. Like these guys are now one game apart from each other. Um, right. As this race is kind of heating up here towards the end, you want to be in the best seeding as possible and you don't want to get stuck uh, at the end of that at the end of that race. So. I'm I'm with you, man. Like, use your use your waiver wire pickups. <laughs> so, um, I propose we actually do a plan seven through ten for. <laughs> hey, if we would have agreed upon it at the beginning of the season, that'd be fine. It would be it would be cool if it was like like you know how the plans like a one game. What if it was like a one night DFS lineup? Like you oh. would have to like. Pick a like pick one night and you just have to go crazy on daily fantasy and that's how you decide okay and rival the other <laughs> or or you know how like sleeper you choose one game for your player oh, yeah. you basically do that for like the last like that week right before the playoffs actually start and that's the play-in that would be cool be cool nick we have ideas you need to start writing them down cool. um Okay, that kind of does it for our matchups. Uh, Gabe, if you would, just give us a really quick run-through of, like, playoff positioning. Do you have that? Yeah, I just I, – I don't, but I want to give a shout-out to Spectrum for allowing me to make it through that relatively okay. <laughs> yeah, we did good. And, and we realized the more you talked, like, the better it did, so we just kind of let you run this podcast. I don't understand why that happens, but hopefully by next week it is a thing of the past. Well, okay, uh, Zach, hey, why don't you hit us with the standings here? You have it uh, right. pulled up in front Give of you. One sec. I got to pull up the app. I do have it close, though. Gotcha. Um, All right, so currently, let me get to the playoff picture. 
So currently, um, first with a bye week is going to be Gabe at 72-47-1. And then, as Gabe said, he jumped Bowie. Um, Bowie is in second with the other bye at 70-48-2. Then in third place, you have Gary at 69-49-2. And then you would have him matched up against Cam. Um, and that is Cam's team's at 63, 55, and 2. <laughs> and then on the other side of the bracket up there with Gabe, you've got Nick at 4, um, at 66, 53, and 1. And then playing number 5 seed, the Architect, 65, 53, and 2. And then the bottom portion of the standings, you've got uh, Ryan, who's in the 7th seed, He's got 59 wins, and as I said, uh, Scam has 63, so there's a little bit of a gap, but if uh, Cam has Not a much. bad week over the next uh, two weeks, I guess, he could sneak in there. Um, Ramsey is actually just like one game behind Ryan, so he's breathing down his neck. Then you've got Camden, who's r- one game behind Ramsey, and then you've got me, who's like three games behind Camden. So it. It's going to be a close ending. Um, I think my chances are um, <laughs> about .001. <laughs> and then the rest of y'all, there's a decent chance. Like, if Camden beat me pretty bad this week, he would actually have a shot. So Please set your lineup, Zach. Please set your lineup. Oh, I'm setting it. I'm not adding anyone, but I'm setting it. Uh, so. Yeah, no, so like you mentioned, the top three – uh, the top three people, Gabe, Bowie, and Garrett. I mean, they're all within two and a half games. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of movement still to be had all up and down these standings. So, uh, two weeks left here, boys. It should be fun. Uh, Zach, you got anything else for us? Nope, that's it. All right, I think we lost Gabe, but uh, I'm glad we were able to get through it the best way we could. Uh, thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you guys at the next one.